Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Jackson Hole Marketplace, Jackson Hole's little community market on the south side of town. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash jhm to learn more. And on a side note, happy birthday to the best brother in the world, Joshua Abrams. Happy 48th, Joshua. Hello from Jackson Hole. I'm Stephen Abrams, your host and guide today. Each week, I sit with someone connected to Jackson Hole to share their fascinating story about daily life. I feel we can all learn so much from each other, and I intend to search out people and their stories, which will teach us a little about life outside of our everyday circle. My guest today is Mike Randall. After 31 years of partnership at Teton Barbershop, a Jackson Hole institution, Mike will be retiring in July. Mike will share with us some fantastic insight he has learned from being a barber in Jackson Hole for over 38 years. Mike grew up in Colorado and moved to Jackson in 1973 when most of the streets were not even paved. Mike and his wife raised two children here in Jackson and have been active community members. Mike and his business partner at the barbershop built an institution which will be forever remembered. And today, Mike will share with us a little of what he has seen and learned over the years. Well, Mike, thank you for joining me today as a guest for the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm happy to be here. So to give people an idea of who you are, you're Mike Randall, and you are going to be retiring this summer from Mm -hmm. Teton Barbershop, you and your partner, uh, you're selling out your partnership, and you've been cutting hair for how many years? Wow, uh, 38 years, believe it or not. Uh, my wife and I went to Denver in 1981, and I went to the Colorado Barber College down there, and uh, we returned in 1982. Uh, I went to work for a fellow named Reed Sanderson that a lot of listeners will recall him with, with fondness. He was a terrific gentleman. Uh, worked in that shop for about 10, maybe 11 years. And then on his passing, uh, Debbie Bancroft, my partner, and I uh, relocated from the Center Street location and um, moved into a building that was just being completed over on the corner of Gill Avenue and Glenwood Street. I think you know it well. Yeah. So how did you and your wife land here in Jackson Hole. Were you born here? I wasn't. Uh, Patty was. She was born and raised here, as was her mom and her dad, as were their mom and father. So she's got really, really deep roots. Um, I came up to work one summer in 1973, and I'm still here. I probably have heard similar stories to that over the years. Uh, I, I know a lot of us that came out to work for either maybe uh, a concessionaire up in Yellowstone Park or uh, Grand Teton Lodge Company. We just never got quite back into uh, returning to college or returning home. Once you figure out that there's a possible job out at the ski area or in town, you go, well, I think I'm going to sit this out and try the mountain life for a while and <laughs> and i did that yeah. where were you raised mike uh, colorado okay all right yeah. and so you moved here in in 1973 
mm-hmm. what was what was Jackson like when you moved here in 1973? Um, quite a lot. Well, you know what? Now that we're in the middle of this shutdown because <laughs> of the COVID-19, it's quiet, as quiet as it was back then in the off seasons. Uh, uh, seasonal employment was about all any of us could hope for. You know, you could always go to work at the last week of May and work all the way up to Labor Day. But beyond that, there was going to be a couple of lean months. And then as the ski area uh, came further along, and once we started getting more and more aircraft or airline service and, and the winter time months grew, the off season, both the one in the spring and the one in the fall, uh, started shrinking a little more every year. And uh, what we're seeing right now is a lot like what it used to be every spring. You know, all kinds of parking downtown. Lots of restaurants are closed up. That's just how it used to be back then as well. Mm-hmm. And over the the years that you and Debbie had Teton Barber, uh, it's Teton Barber Shop, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let me think. That would have been about 1993. It was, was after it? the passing of Reed. Yeah. Oh, was it? Okay. And yeah. what was it like? you two going out on your own to start your own barbershop? Well, at the time, um, the town was putting in new water lines and storm drainage uh, in that neighborhood. This is over uh, to the north and west of St. John's Episcopal Church. And they were putting in curbs and gutters for the first time. So our very first client had to walk over a plank of uh, like a two by 12 over an open trench. Uh, That was Mr. Hardiman from Wilson. Um, And uh, I was very happy to have him be our first customer in our new shop. How many haircuts do you think you've, uh, how many heads of hair do you think you've cut over the past 31 years? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, I don't know. I'm going to have to run a calculator on that one. Do <laughs> you think we should maybe do do something like what McDonald's has with the uh, billions and billions served sign out by our, our little parking area there? I think you should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. You, you guys might reach but, the billion. One billion heads cut. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me play with that. Let me play with that. But no um, one's been decapitated. <laughs> no one's been decapitated. There's been a few ears nicked over the years. But, uh, um, eh. Yeah, I'll, we I'll, got two. I'll fess up to that. <laughs> we have two. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Um, so over the years, you guys have probably seen some interesting folks come through through your shop. Who are some of the, I guess, iconic people, the people help, who help build and of note in this community that you uh, cut their hair over time? Oh, well, uh, a longtime favorite was uh, Senator Hansen. He, he was just a, a really classy, well-spoken guy who may not have always remembered everyone's name in his later years, but still kind of the politician in him uh, had him 
work the room like he was running for either the Senate or the governor's spot again. He would shake hands. He would engage everybody in conversation. Uh, just a, a delightful guy. Um, we we had a really interesting bookend of uh, the first haircut of the day and the last haircut of the day some 10 or 12 years ago. Debbie had an appointment with Vice President Dick Cheney, and there were a few Secret Service guys in the shop and a, who knows how many more outside the shop. So she was doing that haircut. Back then, we could get the Star Tribune delivered to the door. And the, the young guy that had that paper route had a terrific arm. He launched the newspaper, rolled up with a rubber band around it, and it would smack the glass once and then land on the welcome mat. And uh, that happened while Dick Cheney was in the chair. And it really startled the Secret Service guys. They, <laughs> they all... <laughs> and that, the, the, re the reason I remember that day is having such an interesting start to the day and then the end to the day uh, was John Popper from uh, Blues Traveler was in getting a shave and a haircut, maybe just a haircut. Uh, and he was the last client that day. And I didn't really know who he was, but the customer in my chair was a huge fan. And we interrupted his shave so he could go over, shake his hand, have his photo taken with him. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is, this is a... Uh, an interesting mix of people, you know, the vice president of the United States and the harmonica player that was getting ready for a gig at the Center for the Arts. That's a great combo. That's, Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's a great way to begin yeah. the day and end the day. I love it. And end the day. Right. And, you know, you, I want to go back to what you we're speaking of in regards to uh, Senator Hansen. That was Senator Cliff Hansen. And he ended up, he was the governor of Wyoming, but he was also our state senator as well, correct? That's right. Uh, a senator from Wyoming. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he was in the U.S. Senate to, to, representing to the, Wyoming. Yeah, to the U.S. Senate. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Now, you said that engaging everyone, and he really just knew how to work a room and, and just genuine have you s seen that engagement still happening with people when they come into the barbershop or, or, or has that changed a little bit? No, it, there's a lot of old timers that I think their trip to town and one of them was Bill Saunders from Bondurant who passed away last summer. They truly enjoyed the, I don't know, I kind of refer to it sometimes as that Andy of Mayberry kind of vibe that we have going on in there. Mm -hmm. um, people they know they'll visit with and also sometimes people they don't know. Um, and it's, it's kind of a up and down the spectrum of, of uh, economics and their social status. It, it's, there's no barriers in there. So yeah, it's, an enjoy it's always been an enjoyable time to hang out. I, I remember one of my interactions with somebody was uh, with Foster Freeze and when I was engaging with him a conversation, I had no idea who he was. Right. But I certainly wasn't in agreement with his, his position at the time. And, and, and neither am I, but Foster <laughs> is a, a true friend of mine, although we're total opposite ends of the spectrum. He, he gives and gets fairly, I would say. I, I would agree so as well. And 
why is it the barbershop offers that type of feeling or comfort to people? I think you said it well, that Mayberry, Andy Griffith type of feel. Why do you, why do you think that that happens at the barbershop? Uh, I don't know. Um, my partner, Debbie, is not always agreeing with things she hears come out of my mouth. And she'll look over at me and <laughs> raise an eyebrow and look at me over the top of the glass frames like, are you sure you want to say those words? And um, it's, a, it's a pretty open forum, fair format. Uh, you know, you, you get knocked down once in a while from a position you might have thought about before. I wasn't present when this next story happened but it's a really good illustration of what we're talking about uh, and these were guys both of them in their mid to late 70s uh, one had moved out here lived in in Jackson he'd moved out here from Massachusetts and the other one is a long long time uh, caretaker of one of the existing ranches here still and um, I'd say this was 25 years ago the topic was wolf reintroduction. Uh, it's pretty easy to have someone flip through the newspaper while they're waiting their turn for a haircut and they kind of slap the paper shut and place it, you know, on the seat next to them. Or, and you can tell they're just totally disgusted by what they read in the paper that morning. So we say, oh, Bill, what's up? Why are you, why are you so, why, why do you have such an attitude about that? And they go on and on about how either the paper didn't treat the story right or the subject matter just, you know, gets their blood pressure going. So um, this longtime rancher and a transplant from Massachusetts, both in their 70s, mind you, uh, got pretty animated in their, in their uh, conversation about wolf reintroduction to the point where it was some fingers poking in the chest and, you know, nose to nose and toe to toe. And that's when Debbie had to separate them and send both of them outside. I was over <laughs> having a Danish. Yeah. Yeah. I was over having a Danish at the bunnery when that happened. So I missed the whole interchange, but that, that was most of the time we can prevent it from getting quite that heated but it depends on the topic that's almost something that you would see maybe at the wart in, in the old days yeah. at silver dollar yeah not at the right. barbershop exactly right right <laughs> did you ever have to call the police on anybody we did oh um, okay he probably was homeless and probably had a few mental health issues and when he wouldn't stop jabbering to people waiting in line for their haircut. I asked him to wait on the bench that's outside on the sidewalk. And I told him I'd tap him on the shoulder when it was his turn, not to worry about losing his spot in, in line. Uh, but he, he kept on kind of yelling at people as they were coming in the door. And I finally had to call the police and say, hey, I've got a, some circumstances here I'm not real comfortable with. Could you maybe send an officer over? And they, they had a little conversation with him and he went away. I'm That's, glad it was resolved easily. It was very easily resolved. We have, we have good law enforcement in this town. I'll be right back with Mike after this quick message from the show's sponsor. 
Hold on to your jammy bottoms because Jackson Hole Marketplace will be relaunching their deli on 42020. That's right. Smack dab in the middle of the stupid ass COVID-19 pandemic, Jackson Hole Marketplace is working tirelessly to rebrand their deli. So, on 42020, you will be able to order for curbside pickup or in-town delivery. The best damn sandwiches in town. These custom sandwiches will blow the lid off your taste buds and you'll be able to order, make your own badass sandwiches as well. And we'll only be using the most badass ingredients. Jackson Hole Marketplace Deli. I bet you're ready now, but you'll just need to wait for 42020. How many of your of your friends did you meet while operating the barbershop? Because it, the barbershop's a very social place. Very social. Well, actually, before I was a barber, I was a bartender. Uh-huh. So I had already known a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> maybe not by their name, but I, I knew how they liked their drink and, and what it was. So it was kind of a, a easy uh, transition to, you know, acknowledge them and, and uh uh, recognize that I'd already been serving them for a few years at that point, just in a, a new location this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you find out pretty quickly, you know, what, what do you have in common with somebody and uh, whether it's cars or food or, or food or drink or travel or going somewhere for a concert. Uh, once you have that kind of, uh, common interest five weeks go by six weeks go by and they come in for their next haircut and you can pick right back up where you left off i I think that says a lot for a a true friendship is when you can have those yeah length of time so there's large lengths of time between conversations and just pick up where you left off yeah 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 it's been interesting to see um you know some of the young guys that were 20 or 21 when they first moved here and um their years of working maybe as a lifty, maybe as a busboy and then a waiter and then a bartender or at front of the house or back in the kitchen of various restaurants. And then, you know, they come in and say, Mike, this haircut has to be real special. I'm getting married in two weeks. And then, you know, they bring a, a child in. That happened with you. Sure did. You gave me my haircut when I was getting married. And that was on the house and I very much appreciate it. And when both of our kids had their first haircuts, we brought them into your barbershop and popped them right in there. And they, uh, the oldest, he loved it. The youngest one, he didn't like it. So I I think a lot, a lot of our community would have those special memories that you mentioned from your barbershop. It's, it's been a great run. You know, it's really, really been, um, if you stay on top of who this year's, uh, well, let's not talk about basketball this year, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> who, who are this year's strong downhill skiers or cross-country harriers or the, the, who, uh, the, the boys and the girls that may really excel at uh, speech and debate? Um, yeah, it's, it's been really, really nice to follow the happenings, both at junior high and the high school level. Mm-hmm. I, I give most of that credit to Debbie. She's way more the sports fan than, than any of the rest of us. Uh, 
and she has a, a customer. Um, do you want names on this one, Seth, or does it matter? Nah, we we don't have to use names. Okay. So so she has a woman who's I believe eighty eight years old. Uh-huh. Uh, she can follow uh, college basketball, in particular teams from Kansas, and tell you who their superstars are, how well they played at the last game, and she loves the the banter, the back and forth, and holds her own in any discussion of sports. So, the yeah the the gender roles aren't always really locked down. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, so every year you guys do a straw poll for elections. How, how long have you been doing the straw, the election straw polls? Well, that was something that Reed started at his shop uh, on Center Street. And that was in place when I came in. Um, at the time, he would just do uh, the presidential candidates, just the two. And it was, you know, write the name on a slip of paper, drop it in a box, and a week or so before the election, he'd count up. And then we, it it kind of grew and grew to where the last few years, we've included uh, SPET tax proposals, uh, city council, county commissioner, our state, uh, Senate and House uh, positions, uh, the 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 senate and the president and people ask me how i get it so correct and it's like i just count them yeah it's it's the customers that have filled out the ballot it's not the same result as it would be in somewhere else in wyoming but it sure reflects how voters in teton county feel so yeah i i I have a lot of pride in that aspect of of uh, doing that so you're saying that your straw poll was pretty accurate to the way the voters marked their ballots in the end, here in Teton County, at least. Here in Teton County, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that just um, yeah, shows. We, yeah. Sorry. We were well. We went for Clinton both times. Um, we went with Barack Obama both times. Now that's not how Wyoming's voters went but I still mark it in the plus, in the win column because of representing this county's vote. That yeah, it, it does. It, it shows the cross-section of, of your customers and how they represent the, the county um, in a pretty accurate view of, of political views. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. would you guys do any other nice little things like that for, for the community as Teton Barbershop? You know, I'm trying to say, you mean run a, a survey of some sort? Yeah, just something to add some humor or light to life. And I'm, I'm trying to think of what the issue was. Um, and it's not coming to me right now, but maybe it was the mayor's hanging or refusal to hang the photo of Donald Trump in town hall. Oh, yeah. Do we, do, yeah. That. Um, and on that one, I, I didn't print out a, a written ballot i i went over to cowboy coffee and got i think three coffee cups uh with lids on them and punched a hole in each lid and a friend of mine always brings me uh pinion nuts from his trip to the southwest every fall mm-hmm. so i had a, a bowl of pinion nuts 
And on each of the three cups, it was uh, the question was, did the mayor do the right thing on this? Did the mayor do the wrong thing on this? Or do you not care? And they would put the pinion nut in the the cup that they felt you know represented their feelings. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like I really like the play on words with the pinions and their <laughs> opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Way to think on your feet, Mike. Yeah, I try. I yeah. <laughs> what was the community's response on that? Um, it was pretty close, as I recall. More people did not like his refusal. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, I think he had hung a picture of um, one of the, tri- who was the uh, tribal leader from the Idaho tribe? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, do, you, do you remember this, Steph? I, I the, do. The photo? Yeah, I remember when that the, happened. And uh, yeah. my position was, um, it's the office that you're showing respect for, not necessarily the person. And, and it's yeah. important for us yeah. to show respect for, for our, the office of the president of the United States. Yeah. And, and Pete came around on that. Yeah. 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 So I also want to get into your community involvement, Mike, you, um, You've been very involved with helping and giving back to this community. You raised your family here. How many children did you and your wife raise? Uh, we have two daughters. Two daughters. And one lives in Wyoming and one is in Colorado? Or are they both in Wyoming? Uh, w- uh, one lives in Laramie. Uh-huh. Ryan has uh, two boys there. And she's a pharmacist. She attended University of Wyoming. Uh, my younger daughter uh is an educator and she's out in Portland, Oregon. Awesome. And so you, you guys raised two kids, two children here and congratulations on being a a grandfather, which I know is so special to you and glad that you get to enjoy that. Um, So yesterday on our pre-call, when we were talking, you mentioned that you were helping unload a truck for the food cupboard here in town. Mm Mm-hmm. How long have you been involved in the the food cupboard? Oh, probably nine or ten years. Uh, I was sitting having a beer with a couple of friends at the brew pub, and uh, Paul Vogelheim uh, mentioned that he needed a few more people on the board at the cupboard. And um, at the time, I thought oh, I can do that. And you know, it was a few years of uh, helping with unloading the Boy Scouts, uh, scouting for food as it mm-hmm. came in. Uh, it was a few years of uh, bagging beans and rice and laundry soap. And eventually now I'm the president of that board. Um, I think I've been the president for six years. And uh, the crew down there is really, really remarkable. We have a, a wonderful director now. Uh, I, I get to work with some great people on the board who are pretty hands-on. You know, when when you show up with your work gloves and a hand truck to unload a semi full of food, it's it's that's involvement. Well, thank you for your participation for such a long time. Not many people would stay committed, especially as the board president the board chair for as long as you have, what 
keeps you so involved and driven and committed to that organization? Um, people showed me a lot of kindness when my wife was diagnosed six years ago with cancer. And this is what I can do to thank them and to try to be like them. That's it. You know, feed the hungry, help the poor. I think we should all give back our best efforts. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Thank you. Um, how is your wife doing? Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. What other organizations have you and your family been, been involved in um, as far as giving back to the community um, over the years that you've lived here? Patty's been quite involved for a long, long time with the Seroptimus Club in Jackson. Um, they do a few fundraisers throughout the year that are pretty fun. Uh, they do the bras for the cause at the Cowboy Bar every spring, but not this particular spring. And they do the Christmas tree festival at the Virginian every year in early December and raise a lot of money and spend a lot of money uh, for the most part on the women's health initiative up at St. John's Hospital. Uh, they, they fund some uh, scholarships. Uh, they help a lot with Climb Wyoming and uh, women in abusive relationships and are very, very supportive of the, the uh, what, uh, what, what's the name of the facility in East Jackson for abused women. My, my brain's shortened out on that. I, I'll let you fill the blank in. On yeah, that. <laughs> I, I can't recall it either, but Andy Cavallaro, I believe, is the exactly. executive exactly. director of that. He's the yeah. director. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Used to be Cheryl Dunn. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in earlier years, I was a member of the JCs, and back then we uh, helped put on the 4th of July parade, the pancake breakfast downtown, and then the fireworks on Snow King. And then that that particular organization you age out of at, I think, age 35. And then I became a Kiwanis member with Dave Auger and Mark Nolan and Smokey Ray and a lot of really good people. And uh, we put on the, the Follies every fall, which is something I miss. I miss that one a lot. That was a, if you have a little bit of a poke the eye of authority uh, feature in your makeup, it was a really, really fun. We thought we were almost as good as Saturday Night Live. Did you make it to any of those? I did. When my wife and I were dating uh, pre-marriage, we would go to some of those follies. I, I know Dave and probably a little bit better friends with, with his brother, Jim, and Jim would always encourage us to come yeah. over there. And it was a blast. Yeah, it was fun. You know, especially seeing men dressed as women. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew I was in it too many years when I would see really large pumps at a neighborhood garage sale and go, hmm, I wonder if those would fit me. You can leave that part out too. <laughs> no, I think we're leaving that part in. <laughs> oh, <uh-oh. laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So 
you know, over the years, let's let's see. You you moved here in 1973. You started. Yeah. You and uh, Debbie started the barber shop, Teton Barber Shop, in 1993. You've you've probably learned so much from the customers who've come in there. If you had some top life lessons, let's say two, three top life lessons that you've learned over the years from your customers, what do you think those are? Ooh, this is, this is deep stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> be kind. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys that swagger and speak the loudest, you can typically ignore them. But the quiet ones that just, you think they're just sitting there reading the paper, but they've actually heard a lot of the conversation before they get in the barber chair. And they quietly make a, a remark to you that lets you know they had heard everything that's that's who i want to be like one of my one of my favorites is uh steve uh, i don't want to get into the habit of putting down names but and then there's there's you know guys who recently passed on uh ray kaminsky some of the real stalwarts of the community you know you, you watch them how they interact with the barber and the other barbers and the other customers. And it's that, that quiet guy that's got more strength than the, than the big blowhards ever could think about having. Yeah. Just because somebody isn't, isn't loud doesn't mean that they're not paying attention or they don't have an opinion. No, that's for sure. Yeah. But Steve, I was thinking about is Steve Flor or, uh, Oh, Ray Floriani is somebody I miss as well. Steve, his son does the ornamental welding in town. Fontanini is his last name. Have you ever met him? I don't think I have. He's awesome. He had been a uh, reporter for the LA Times back in the 40s and 50s. And uh, when there was a TV series on maybe two winters ago about the Black Dahlia murders, I happened to mention that to him and his eyes lit up and he could share a lot of insight into that murder mystery. But in this case, it was an actual event that happened. It wasn't just a novel. So that, that's when you learn to just shut up and listen to him. Mm-hmm. So if what I hear you saying is sometimes you just got to shut up and listen to the person speaking and you can learn a yeah. lot from that person. Yeah. And, you know, prompt them with a question, uh, to let them know you are paying attention and you do want to hear more. Yeah, that's, that's right. So during this time of stay at home measures that we have for the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, what are some things that you and your wife are doing to stay connected, but also to create some sort of system of normal normalcy for yourselves? Well, you see me about every day walking up to pick up a daily at yes, the liquor store south of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because my house is about three quarters of a mile from there. And it means I at least go outside and get some fresh air and get away from MSNBC and CNN. It's, it's a needed event. Uh, she is really, really um, uh, reliably going to do a jazzercise class probably every other day. 
And now those come through on either Facebook, Facebook or uh, YouTube. Uh, my garage has never looked more tidy, I'm happy to say. <laughs> uh, I still have snow in the yard, so I haven't yet gotten out and gotten the green grass raked and ready for summer, but soon. Yeah. soon. It, it will happen soon. Um, what do we do? Well, it's, there's a balance between work and watching the boys because my wife still has work too. She works in a critical field being in the banking industry and then having two businesses that are considered essential as well. So there's that balance. Um, I still get up in the mornings and exercise and journal and do some mindfulness exercises and make sure I read. Um, but also finding some ways that we can keep the kids occupied. We certainly get the boys outside regularly, whether mm -hmm. it's in our backyard or whether it is on walks. Uh, one of the churches is around the corner from our house. So we take the dog over there and there's nobody going to church. So there's this huge parking lot for the boys to run around and the dog to run around. Um, and, sure. and that's nice. We've revisited some games. We went to the toy store and bought shoots and ladders and, you know, of, and a few other games. Uh, so the boys have learned a little bit of how to play checkers as well. And there's also oh, a kids. All right. Yeah. All right. So th there's a kids yeah. monopoly. So we've played kids monopoly, which has been a lot of fun as well. And making sure that my wife and I find the time to actually have conversations at night when the kids are asleep and that they're not mm -hmm. wrapped around the COVID-19 that it's wrapped around life and what we, what we appreciate and what we're thankful for. And when I journal, I, yeah. I'm sure to write what I'm thankful for daily and also telling my wife what I'm thankful for that I'm thankful that I have her to go through this pandemic with that, that she's the one uh, that I, we are I together. I used those very words with Patty the other day when we were walking back from your place. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, That's we're nice. incredibly fortunate to be here to, as the spot that we're hunkered down at. Incredibly I, fortunate. I agree. Yeah. We're, we have great medical care. Uh, our community has been very responsible with the social distancing. I thought that at first our community was being quite extreme, but now hindsight, I didn't argue with it. I just thought it was a bit extreme at first, but now I realize no, it was not. And they made the right choice. And sometimes yeah. making taking extreme measures and forcing people to have decisions pushed upon them is what's needed as much as we don't want that because we are, we live in, in America and you know, we have our freedom. Um, but I'm glad our mm -hmm. community took the steps that they took, and and I just wish everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't find fault at all with what our uh, our board of health shut us down on the I think it was the 16th of March, um, and that was about two weeks ahead of the state coming out with anything. It's the right thing to do. There's no question. Yeah, like yeah, yeah indeed. Well, Mike, any last words of inspiration that you would like to offer to myself and everybody listening in today? Well, so it's just going to be, I assume a podcast is um, audio. That's right. It could also get printed out. Okay. 
No, just audio. Be kind to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be kind to each other and go wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Be kind. Thank you, Mike. That, it means You're very a lot welcome. to me that you took your right. time from today and all right thank you for doing what you're doing with the food cupboard as well and you and patty be safe it really it really is my pleasure and uh hopefully i'll see you next month all right i hope so mike take care take care you bet bye-bye to learn more about mike and the jackson hole food cupboard please visit the jackson hole connection.com episode number 83 my request from you today is get out there and share this we all need a little bit of happiness and love so please share this with family and friends. Many thanks to Tana Hoffman for all of her past marketing skills and helping me build this podcast and keep it going. This week, I transitioned to Mike Morey handling all of the editing, scheduling, and marketing for the podcast. And not to be forgotten, thank you to Luke Taylor for the solid music, my wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I really look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection. And happy birthday, Joshua. I love you.